Good morning, faithful listeners. You have tuned in to the P40 Ministries podcast, the one place where you can get a daily explanatory Bible reading to start your day strong. This is your host, Jen, bringing you a brand new episode out of Genesis. Hey, faithful listeners, happy hump day. This is Jen here with P40 Ministries podcast. I think I told you guys a couple days ago that I am working on creating a new intro for the podcast. Hopefully that will be done soon. If I'm being 100% honest, I haven't really started yet. (laughs) But I do have an idea of what I want. So that's good at least. So I guess I kind of started, but I didn't start any of the recording process at all whatsoever. But soon, hopefully, there will be a new intro with my own music. And it's just better for me to have my own music on the podcast because even though I purchase the tracks, if I have a certain amount of uh, downloads on the podcast, I actually have to take the tracks down or pay more money for them to keep going. So it's just kind of frustrating. So I'm planning on just getting rid of the, uh, the tracks fully and just making my own music. If I ever get around to it, we'll see. <laughs> But thanks for joining in today. We are discussing Genesis chapter 31, verses 17 through 35. This is all about Jacob fleeing Laban, his father-in-law. Then Jacob rose up, and he set his sons and his wives on the camels, and he took away all of his livestock and all of his possessions which he had gathered, including the livestock which he had gained in Padan Aram, to go to Isaac his father, to the land of Canaan. Now Laban had gone to shear his sheep, and Rachel stole the teraphim that were her father's. Jacob deceived Laban the Syrian, in that he didn't tell him that he was running away. So he fled with all that he had. He rose up, passed over the river, and set his face towards the mountain of Gilead. Laban was told on the third day that Jacob had fled. He took his relatives with him and pursued him seven days' journey. He overtook him in the mountain of Gilead. God came to Laban the Syrian in the dream of the night, and he said to him, Be careful that you don't speak to Jacob, either good or bad. Laban caught up with Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the mountain, and Laban with his relatives camped in the mountains of Gilead. Laban said to Jacob, What have you done that you have deceived me and carried away my daughters like captives of the sword? Why did you flee secretly and deceive me and didn't tell me that I might have sent you away with mirth and with songs, with tambourine and with harp, and didn't allow me to kiss my sons and my daughters? Now you have done foolishly. It is in the power of my hand to hurt you. But the God of your father spoke to me last night saying, Be careful that you don't speak to Jacob either good or bad. Now you want to be gone because you greatly longed for your father's house. But why have you stolen my gods? Jacob answered Laban, Because I was afraid, for I said, Lest you should take your daughters away from me by force. Anyone you find your gods with shall not live. Before our relatives, discern what is yours with me and take it. For Jacob didn't know that Rachel had stolen them. Laban went into Jacob's tent, into Leah's tent, and into the tent of the two female servants. But he didn't find them. He went out of Leah's tent and entered into Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the teraphim, put them in the camel's saddle, and sat on them. 
Laban felt around all the tent, but he didn't find them. Don't let my lord be angry that I can't rise up before you, for I'm having my period. He searched, but he didn't find the teraphim. It just seems like drama follows Jacob wherever he goes. First he has drama with his brother Esau and with his father. Then he has drama with his wives and now with his father-in-law. Jacob just cannot catch a break, can he, from all this family drama. It just seems like it started from the very beginning of his life when he was basically in the womb with his brother. This is who Jacob is. This is his personality. He's constantly fighting, constantly in turmoil with a family member. And and that was kind of clear from the beginning when he was fighting in the womb with his brother that he would just be a fighter his entire life. So now he is fleeing his father-in-law, Laban. And his two wives said that they would go with him as well as the two servants, but they didn't really have a choice. Unfortunately, the servants had to kind of go with them. But the two wives... Both loved Jacob and both wanted to go with him, even though they had a rivalry with each other. They still loved Jacob. So Jacob was actually very blessed to have two women who loved him this much. Jacob is fleeing from his father-in-law because Laban had treated him really horribly for the past nearly 21 years since Jacob had gotten there, basically. Laban had cheated Jacob multiple times and changed his wages 10 times is what it says, and also kind of forced Jacob into servitude. And God has seen this and God told Jacob to get out of there. So Jacob basically flees in the middle of the night and doesn't tell Laban about it. These weren't households like we think of today. They didn't all live in one house. Rather, they had an area of property, probably many, many acres of property. And they lived more like communities, more so than like one large family inside one house. It was it was more like a, a big community. And Laban also had his family members that lived in this community as well. For example, his sons, and I, I think also his brothers, probably lived close by to him because it says that Laban took his brothers to chase after Jacob after Jacob had left. So this was a whole community of people that lived with each other. So when Jacob leaves, Laban wouldn't have known immediately. It would have taken him a while for him to realize Jacob's not showing up to work or all of a sudden he's not seeing his kids or his grandkids as often as he was before. So it takes Laban three days to figure out that Jacob just up and left as well as with his daughters and with his grandkids. And Laban is furious. He's infuriated. And this actually makes me a little bit mad on the inside. You know, after Laban had treated Jacob so horribly for so many years, he can't just let him go. Because in Genesis chapter 30, Jacob had said, probably several years before this, before Jacob had obtained all those spotted goats that we talked about in the last couple episodes, he asked Laban to leave. And Laban kept saying like, no, no, don't go because I'm blessed by God because of you. Jacob had wanted to leave back then, but now several years later, he's still with Laban and Laban still mistreating him, still not giving him what he promised to Jacob. And so Jacob just ups and goes. And that was within Jacob's power to do so, in my opinion. I don't for a second believe that Jacob was on the same level as a servant who didn't have a choice. I think Jacob was more considered a family member that Laban was trying to make into a servant. So in my opinion, Laban's almost like 
thinking that he owns Jacob in a sense. So he chases after Jacob. And that's the, the part that makes me so mad. Like, just leave him alone. Leave Jacob alone after all these years. You don't have to go after him in hot, hot pursuit. But Laban does. He, he goes after Jacob in hot pursuit. He set, finally catches up with him in the mountains of Gilead. So the mountains of Gilead were about 300, uh, almost 300 miles away from Padan Aram, which is where Jacob and Laban had lived together. It had probably taken Jacob around 10 days to get to Gilead. So this means that they would have been traveling around 30 miles per day. So Jacob and his two wives and all of Jacob's kids were running. I mean, 30 miles a day is quite a ways to travel, especially back then. But of course, Jacob did have camels and stuff now. It says that he became wealthy and did have camels. So it would have been easier for him to travel with a family with all these camels and they could have probably gotten gone longer distances as well but Laban he's really really chasing after Jacob here because he gets to the mountains of Gilead in seven days so this means he's traveling probably close to 40 miles a day so that means that Laban is probably traveling 45 miles a day in order to get to Jacob and his family. He is this angry. That doesn't sound like Laban sleeping very well in order to travel 45 miles a day without a car. Like 45 miles a day, even nowadays, that's that's like a good solid, maybe one and a half hours of driving. <laughs> I mean, think about doing that on foot. That's just crazy. So Laban's just booking it to get to Jacob and, and to yell at Jacob. But also, I, I forgot to mention one thing. It says here in verse 19 that Rachel stole the teraphim that were her father's before they left. So Laban not only is going after Jacob because he's angry at Jacob for deserting him, but also that he notices that his teraphim are gone. And teraphim were household gods. And Rachel had stolen them. So what does that tell you? To me, that says that Rachel worshipped to these gods, and that might not be the case. It could also be that, um, and in fact, the WEB actually says this right here. There's a footnote. It says, Teraphim were household idols that may have been associated with inheritance rights to the household property. And that's what the WEB footnote says in verse 19. So it's also possible that Rachel stole these household idols to kind of say like, you took away our inheritance, so I'm going to take away your idols kind of thing. But we don't, we don't know that for sure. Though this may not be the case, I always assumed that Rachel had stolen the idols because she also worshipped them. But one way or the other, Rachel should not have stolen the idols, and that was something that she did anyway. But now Laban finally catches up with Jacob and with his family. In the mountains of Gilead, it says, But before he encounters Jacob, God appears to Laban in a dream. And I think there was another version that mentioned what God had said as well. The W.E.B. says, make sure you don't speak either good or bad to Jacob. But I think it was the NLT. I do like the NLT translation. I, I often reference it. But um, yeah, in verse 24 of the NLT version, it actually says, God told Laban, I'm warning you, leave Jacob alone. And I kind of like that, the way the NLT words that, basically telling Laban, like, you better not mess with Jacob because I told him to leave. He, This is his right to leave. I told him to go. You do not have any right to him or to his servitude anymore. 
And this is what God is telling Laban, which is wonderful. So Laban kind of takes God's command and he doesn't end up hurting Jacob in any way. But he does confront Jacob and he says to him, why did you just leave secretly? Why didn't you let me kiss my my grandsons and my daughters goodbye? Why didn't you let me prepare this big feast for you? So Laban's pretending like he's this great guy that w- would have wanted Jacob to go happily. But if you think about this, this is so wrong because Laban had said in the chapter before in Genesis 30 that when Jacob wanted to leave many years before that, Laban had said, no, no, don't go, don't go, don't go. Laban didn't want them to go. He never would have prepared a feast. He would have tried to be shady again and tried to get Jacob to stay for even longer for, and, and serve him for free, basically. This is not true. Laban is fully 100% lying, and Jacob knows this. But then after pretending that he's such a great guy, he says directly after this in verse 29, It is in the power of my hand to hurt you. <laughs> so I'm a great guy, but I can also kill you, is what... Laban is saying to Jacob right now but then he says but God came to me in a dream last night and basically told me not to hurt you so I can't do anything to you but then and and this is such an oxymoron here in verse 30 it says why did you steal my gods you could have left but why would you steal my household gods and that is an oxymoron because imagine worshiping a god that can just be stolen away (laughs) And it's, it's also funny that Laban is still worshiping these household idols and still wants them back even after God himself had appeared to Laban in a dream and said, don't hurt Jacob. This shows the kind of stubbornness that Laban as a person really was. You know, he still wants those gods back, those household idols, even after encountering the real God He still is fixated on his own household idols. Even King, I think it was King Abimelech that we talked about many chapters before this, when he encountered God in that dream, he had a lot of respect for God and he was terrified and ended up returning Sarah to Abraham. And you can go back and listen to that episode. That was probably about a month ago that we covered that topic. But, um, you know, even King Abimelech, had this like strong, strong respect for God. But, but Laban here, who is such a stubborn man, is still wanting his gods back. But then Jacob answers him. He's like, well, I left because I was afraid that you would take your daughters from me by force. And I didn't steal your gods. And he even goes on to say, anyone who has taken your gods, if you find those gods, you can kill the person who has taken them. I think this was just strong language that Jacob was trying to prove to Laban. Like, look, we don't have them. We don't have them. And he didn't know. It says directly right here, for Jacob didn't know that Rachel had stolen them. (laughs) So he just cursed his own wife for stealing them, unknowingly cursed her. But then Laban goes into Jacob's tents, Leah's tents, and into the tents of the two female servants, but he didn't find them. And he's rummaging through everything, everything. And so then finally, it says in verse 34 that he goes into Rachel's tent, but Rachel had taken the gods and hid them in the saddlebag of her camel. And so she's sitting on top of them is what it says. She's kind of learning from Laban a little bit because um, I don't know if she lies to him or not, but she deceives Laban and she says, I'm not going to get up because I'm having my monthly period. 
So Laban obviously doesn't force her to get up. He just ends up searching the entire tent of Rachel's. But it says at the end he didn't find any of the gods because he didn't check the saddlebags that Rachel was sitting on. (laughs) And that is the end of this one. But we will discuss more about this uh, coming up on Friday and Jacob's response to Laban. And we will probably finish out this chapter as well. So join me then 6 a.m. on Friday, but you can also join me tomorrow for an episode out of Matthew. Friends, I'm going to ask that you go to my website, www.p40ministries, and subscribe to the blog posts. I do a weekly blog post, usually. The past couple of weeks, I've kind of uh, been slacking a little bit. Um, but generally, I try to get a blog post done every single weekend. Sometimes I don't find the time to do that, unfortunately, but usually I can get one done. And since I don't do a Saturday podcast episode, I thought it would be great for everybody to get a blog post in their inbox on Saturday morning so you can still continue to have a consistent routine of learning about the Bible every single morning even though Saturdays will look a little bit different. I definitely appreciate all the subscriptions to my blog, and I will post a link to that in the bio of this podcast episode. But faithful listeners, I want to ask that you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your week. Happy listening, and God bless.